Well, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Just a quick reminder, there's a gift for you outside the door. Grab that as you go. We're just excited that you're here today. And today we are also starting a new series in the book of Joshua titled, The Lord Gives Victory. So grab your Bible, open it to Joshua chapter 1, or you can turn there on your phone, whatever electronic device you're looking at the Bible this morning. We want to look at the book of Joshua because it communicates a very, very important truth in our lives, and that is that the Lord gives us victory. We're going to look at several stories in which God asks his people to trust him, to trust him completely with their lives, with their future, and as a result, God is going to give them victory each time. But what each story does, it gives us a little bit of insight into different areas of our life that God wants to give us victory over. Because God was teaching his people this important truth about trust and belief in him for everything in their life, their protection, and how they would choose to live as a culture. But before we jump in, I want to remind you of the things that were happening in the lives of God's people because the past in this circumstance really sets the stage for the present and for the future. So let me give you a quick history of how we got or how we get to Joshua chapter 1. You'll remember that the Israelites, who are the main characters in this story, they really are the family of Abraham. That's who they are. We have this title for them, the Israelites or the Jews, but they're really a family, a very large family. But they are the family and the descendants of Abraham. God, you'll remember, chose Abraham, not because of anything special that Abraham did, but simply because God wanted to choose him. God chose Abraham and his family to bring about the greatest victory the world would ever see, and that is Jesus Christ and his cross and his resurrection. And so the Jews and the Israelites are, are the people that we are talking about in this context. Now, Generations after Abraham, the Israelites find themselves as slaves in Egypt. They've grown to be a very large family now, maybe possibly around a million people. And God calls Moses, a very reluctant leader, by the way, did not want to do this, to lead the people out of Egypt to the land God had promised Abraham's family. Now, you'll remember the deliverance from Egypt was epic, wasn't it? This unbelievable moments that the people went through, the family went through of 10 plagues on the Egyptians that really kind of destroyed the entire culture and also uh, revealed that their, their false gods are not true. And then they finally get let go and they end up at the Red Sea and God parts the Red Sea and they walk across it or through it really on dry land and the Egyptian army follows them and then the waters come back and the Egyptian army is wiped out. And God takes care of them in the desert as they head to the promised land. But then they finally get to the edge of the promised land and something very important to the context of Joshua happens as they get to the border of the promised land. 
God tells Moses to send out some spies into the land to go check it out, see what it's like. And so they pick one person from each of the tribes, and those men went into the land for 40 days, and they just checked out what it was like. And then they came back with a report. And they reported to the people that the land was full of milk and honey and beautiful fruit, but that the land also was full of giants. And, and there were giants in the land in large fortified cities with huge walls, and the people were fierce fighters. And in this moment, there is a, a report, a mindset that set into the people that I want to show you because it's extremely important to what we're going to talk about today in Genesis chapter 1, or I'm sorry, in Joshua chapter 1. It's in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. Look at it with me. This verse says what the spies told the people and as a result, what the people began to believe. The spies said this. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, came from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. Now, there's something extremely important that you and I need to understand about this verse, and it's that little phrase, in our own eyes. See, this is an identity phrase. See, what they were saying was, this is how we see ourselves. We don't see ourselves as victorious. We don't see ourselves as the people of God. We don't see ourselves as, as having the living God behind us, we see ourselves as small. We see ourselves as grasshoppers in this great big world and there's no possible way we could go into the land. As a result, the people spend the entire evening complaining and whining about the circumstances that they're in. And when they wake up in the morning, they say things like, maybe we should have just died in Egypt and maybe we should choose a leader and just head back to Egypt. And they've become completely defeated. And they now have a new mindset and a new identity. They, they've fallen back into their identity as a slave. Well, Moses and Aaron and two men named Caleb and Joshua try to plead with the people to go into the land that God had given them the victory, that they were a victorious people and that they should see themselves that way. And the people want to stone them. It's in this moment that something radical happens in the community, in the family. God does not allow them to go into the promised land. And then God sends them back out into the desert for the next 40 years. During that 40-year period, everybody over the age of 20 dies off. So everyone that was under 20 in that moment that they got to the promised land and lacked faith, everyone under 20 lived, everyone over 20 passed away in the desert for those 40 years. Now here's what's interesting for you and I. Sometimes you and I can do the same thing today. 
Instead of finding our identity in Jesus Christ, knowing that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, we find our identity in the world and we find ourselves wandering aimlessly in the desert of life, frustrated and struggling. We do the same thing today. So what we're going to look at today was not only for Joshua, but it's for us. This takes us right to Joshua chapter 1. The older generations that were complaining and lacked faith, they've all died off. Moses is gone. Joshua has been installed as the new leader. And a new generation of Israelites are heading into the promised land. As they do, look with me at what God tells Joshua as their leader. It's a great word for Joshua, but it's also a great word for us today as you and I learn to live in victory. Joshua 1, I'm just going to read verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, which I don't know if you noticed that. There are some things in the Bible you have to look at and see is just kind of funny. Like Joshua is, is an interesting guy. Did you know he had no father or mother? He was the son of none, it says right here. Verse 2. You got to get biblical humor once in a while, people. Come on. Wake up. You're the 11 o'clock service. Here we go. Right here. Verse 2. Here we go. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Now, there's another little biblical humor there. This is the only political statement that I know of in the Bible. Do not be towards the left or towards the right. Just right straight with God, right? Verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day or night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. How many of you have a tendency to repeat important things? Don't we all? repeat important things. You, you tell them to your kids, to your coworkers, to your friends, and those important phrases or important parts of your life come out. Well, God did this with Joshua in these verses. You'll notice it three times. He said, be strong and courageous. See, this was the new identity that God wanted Joshua to live in. He wanted him to live in victory. He wanted him to understand that he was a strong and courageous person. And I want us to look at four things this morning or four reasons 
that I believe God wanted Joshua to understand that he was strong and courageous because I believe it's the same for us today. God's asking us to be strong and courageous too. And I think God, first of all, wants us to be strong and courageous because he wants it to be part of our new identity in Christ. The Israelites, they had an identity crisis. That's why they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years. But God wanted their leader and everyone else to live out a new identity, full of the new promises of God and new hope to be victorious as believers in God. God wanted Joshua to believe that he was strong and courageous before he had done anything. Now, I find that quite interesting. Joshua hasn't done anything yet. And God's telling him to be strong and courageous. Now, that's kind of the opposite of how we think of it in the world today. First of all, to be strong, you have to do something strong. You have to defeat your enemy. To, do some, to be called courageous, you have to do something that had courage. Like maybe go through the scary castle at the carnival. But if you won't even go through the scary castle at the carnival, we're certainly not calling you courageous, are we? So in our, in our day, we, we, we equate these things with things that you do, not with things, that, not who you are. But that's what God is telling Joshua. This is who you are. And here's why. You and I are strong and courageous, not because of what we do, but because of whose we are. The reason we can be strong and courageous is because God is always behind us. Because God does the fighting for us. Because God is taking care of us. And God is our protection. And God is our warrior. Therefore, it has nothing to do with what you and I do. Our new identity is strong and courageous because it's who God is in us. In fact, Jesus wants us to live in a new identity as a victorious person. Because you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. See, you have a new identity in Christ. You are a child of God, and you are a victor. The Israelites had an old identity that they often would fall back into, and that was the old identity as a slave. And sometimes you and I can fall into that same identity. It's a little different than the Israelites because the Israelites were actually physical slaves in Egypt. But the Bible tells us in Romans 6 that you and I can fall into the same mentality, into the same thinking, and into the same actions when we become slaves to our sin. In Romans chapter 6, it says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Now, this is interesting. Because what the Bible is saying here is actually we become slaves to whatever we obey. 
And there's lots of things to obey in our world, aren't there? We can obey technology. We can obey food. We can obey sin. We can obey sexual desire. We can, there's tons of things in our culture that we can obey before God. And this verse says, whatever we are obeying is really our God. Whatever we're obeying is what we are a slave to. But we have been set free by Jesus Christ. Our new identity in Jesus Christ is strong and courageous. And our new identity is as a victor. We get to live in victory and not have to be stuck obeying all kinds of things in our world. Stuck in an identity crisis because we don't know who or what to obey. Another reason God wanted Joshua to be strong and courageous is because Joshua was heading into a battle. Anybody had of a battle recently? Maybe it was a spiritual one, a mental one. But here's what's interesting. Joshua has many, many battles in front of him. From this day forward, Joshua's going to be in battle after battle. And we're going to look at several of those throughout the summer and recognize that God gives the victory in each one. So God was preparing Joshua to be ready for battle. Now the same is true for you and me. We're in a battle every day. John 10.10, Jesus said that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You and I are in a battle every day because as the people of God, as people that have said yes to Jesus, the enemy now wants to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. And he'll use whatever he can in this world to make sure that happens and you fall away from Jesus. But we're, we're called to be these people that recognize that there is a battle, that we are in this battle, and we're going to live victorious through it. Let me show you a verse that has been very, very important in my life and I hope could be, become important in your life to help you with this battle that we are in. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Let me read it for you and then show you just some quick things in it and show you a prayer that you can pray to help you be a victorious person. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, follow me quickly through these verses. The first thing we see is we live in this world, but we don't wage war like this world does. So our world wages war very differently. It starts with slinging a bunch of words that are rude, obnoxious, arrogant, hateful, racial, dividing. It starts there, and then, and then we start using some other things to do warfare, like bullets, bombs. That's how the world wages war. But that's not how we wage war because we recognize 
that the battle is actually not a physical one, it's a spiritual one. Now, we also recognize that there are spiritual battles that end up in physical battles. Many times, someone can have a spiritual stronghold over their life, and it encourages them to do evil things to other people that end up in a physical confrontation, or you end up in a physical battle defending your life because of something that started as a spiritual thing in somebody, but now has ended up as a physical attack on you. That can also happen globally. There's, a, there's about a billion people right now that are in a mindset that it's okay for them to kill everybody else on the planet to get their way. That's a spiritual battle that's now become a physical battle. Now, most of the time, we're going to be in the physical, spiritual realm, and we're going to fight a spiritual battle. But if we had to fight a physical battle for our own safety, we would have to do that as well to defeat something that actually started as a spiritual stronghold. Does that make sense? I hope it does. But here's what verse 6 or verse 5 says, that you and I can defeat these strongholds. A stronghold is interesting. It's simply something that has a strong hold on your life. It can be a way you think. It can be an action. It can be a bad habit. It can be a sinful thing that you don't want anybody to know about. But it's something that has a strong hold on your life. And instead of living in your identity in Christ, you now live in this identity that has a strong hold on you. It could also be from something in your past. It could be some, uh, a form of abuse that happened in your past. It could be all kinds of things. It could be uh, an identity that you've held on to that's an identity of the world instead of an identity in Christ. All of those things and more can become strongholds in our life. But here's what 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says. You get to demolish that stronghold. And you have divine power to live in victory over that stronghold. And let me tell you how I've done that recently. Well, really for quite a, quite a few many years to just break some things in my life because here's what I've discovered and I hope you're discovering too, that there is divine power and victory for every area of your life that you feel defeated in. Every area of your life that you feel defeated in, there is an answer in the power of Jesus' name and the power of God's word. Now, here's what I've been doing uh, for years now to fight this spiritual battle. I use this verse, verse 5, as my spiritual battle prayer. And I simply pray this. In the name of Jesus, I take the thought of, fill in the blank with whatever your stronghold is. In the name of Jesus, I take the thought of blank captive and I command it to leave my mind and my life. Now, because I'm in a spiritual battle and it's the enemy of my soul attacking me, it's gone immediately because of the power of Jesus' name and the power of God's word that I've just connected to use as a powerful weapon. And I simply pray that prayer over and over again. In the name of Jesus Christ, I take the thought of captive and I command you to leave my mind and my life. Now, I do that because I've recognized and I know that my battle always starts as a thought. It always starts as a thought. 
It always starts as an untruth. It always starts as a lie. And that's where I have to take my first stand. And so that's how I do it. And uh, just a little nugget for you to take home and start standing on your own as well. Here's another reason Joshua would need to be strong and courageous. Because Joshua was conquering new territory. Joshua was conquering new territory. And the same is true for you and me. We have to conquer new territory as well. See, Joshua is stepping out into uncharted waters. He, he saw what the nation was like 40 years earlier, but he has no idea what it's like now. It could be completely different. New giants, different leaders. It could be worse than it was before. He's not sure yet. He's going into a whole new territory. And he's stepping out in strength and courage that God has given him. Now, for you and I, the same is true. If you want God to give you victory in your life, you will need to conquer new territory as well. You'll need to conquer new territory in your heart, in your thinking, in your actions, in your habits, in your lifestyle, in your words. All of those things will need to be conquered or else there will always be some unhealth there. We have to conquer these things because if we become comfortable in our unhealth, in our sin, and in our bad habits, we will always feel and live defeated. How many of you know what it's like to come home from work, you're tired, and you just want to sit in your chair with the remote in your hand and just get comfortable? Anybody else like me like to do that? I like to do that. Maybe you've got this favorite spot in your house. Maybe it's out on your back deck, whatever. But once you sit down and you're comfortable, what do you want to do? Nothing. That's exactly right. See, what happens when you and I get comfortable in our sin, when we get comfortable in our health, unhealth, guess what we do? Nothing. We just stay there. We just stay in that place of unhealth. And what Jesus is saying and what God is say, was saying to Joshua is, I don't want you to live there. I want you to live in victory. Now, the New Testament describes some situations like this, and so does the book of Joshua. Let me show you the ones in Joshua first. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 9, or 7 through 9, 7 and 8 actually, God gave Joshua a tool. He gave Joshua a tool that would allow him to always live in this strong and courageous place. Look at it with me. Look at this special tool that God gave Joshua. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. See, the tool that God gave Joshua to be strong and courageous was God's word. The word of God. We see that repeated 
in the New Testament as well. In Ephesians chapter 6, when the writer of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, is challenging the believers here to, to live in a place of great strength and victory as well because they have battles that they are going through. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, he said, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, and the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I love what this verse reminds us of too, several things. We're in a battle. We're conquering new territory. But did you notice that Paul lists the weapons that you and I have as we conquer new territory? And these weapons are really interesting. It, it reminds us of that 2 Corinthians one that says, we don't wage war like the world does. We have different weapons than the world. Well, these are our weapons. Truth. Peace. Righteousness, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer in the spirit. These are the weapons that a believer in Jesus Christ has in their arsenal. This is in our, this is in our lives. These are the things that you and I can use to conquer new territory. Did you notice the word of God is our sword? The word of God is highlighted for Joshua. The word of God is highlighted here in Ephesians. It's the weapon that you and I have to defeat the enemy. Now, maybe at some point in your life, you've asked yourself this question. How come I often feel stuck or defeated as a Christian? How come I often just feel like I'm in this place of defeat and just can't break through? There may be several reasons for that, but one of the main reasons might be that you're not standing fully on God's word. That you have not combined God's word and the power of Jesus' name and brought them into your situation and you are living in the promises of God's goodness for that area of your life, and instead you're trying in your own strength to break through, and you just can't defeat that stronghold. See, the power behind you and me is not just that we say we're a Christian, it's that we stand on God's word and that we claim the power of Jesus' name in every area of our life. When you begin to do that, you will find victory in every single area of your life because nothing 
can stand in the presence of God's word and Jesus' name. So I want to encourage you to start conquering new territory and to live as a victor in Jesus, to live in victory. Now, the ushers are going to help uh, me right now by passing out a little bracelet for you. On this bracelet, you will notice that it says, live in victory. There's a little sun on one side and there's a cross on the other. The sun is for a moment that we will read about later in Joshua where God actually had the sun stop. This is a physical phenomenon. Now, I don't know if you've noticed God's really good at breaking physical barriers in our world because he created it. But there's a moment we're going to see later in the book of Joshua where God stops the sun so that Joshua can get victory in his life and in the family's life. The cross is for the victory that you and I have through Jesus Christ. Now, the last reason God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous is because as humans, we have a tendency to live in fear, don't we? Doesn't it seem so easy to gravitate towards our fear instead of victory? It seems to me that living in fear is like going down a slide. It's super easy. Living in victory is like cr crawling back up the slide. Now, when I was a kid, I used to love going up the slide just as much as down, but it was still harder. I had to work hard. I had to run really fast, as fast as I could, jump on the slide, and hopefully I'd make it all the way to the top, and I normally wouldn't make it, and then I'd have to grab onto the sides and struggle all the way up to the, so to the top, and then I'm like, yes, I made it. That's victory. You have to work at it. You have to struggle through it, but in the end, you receive victory. Fear is just like going down the slide. It's just like second nature, isn't it? It's so easy to fall right into our fear. But listen to what God tells Joshua in verse 5 and verse 9. In verse 5, God says to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now once again, God repeats something important. God repeated this powerful promise to Joshua that God would be with him wherever he went. That God would never leave him. See, this is the answer to our fear. Knowing that God is always with you, that he never leaves you and he never forsakes you, and he's with you wherever you go, that's the answer to your fear. That wherever you go, God is with you, lets you live in victory, not in fear. Listen to how David talked about it in Psalm 23, verse 4. David said, even though I walk through the darkest valley. 
Some of your versions will say this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. (laughs) That sounds like an awful valley, doesn't it? The valley of the shadow, shadow, shadow of death, death, death. This is like a movie, a horror film. The valley of the shadow of death. But here's what's interesting. Apparently, David has been there. A moment in his life that was so hard, so difficult, where his life was being threatened or he felt like life was no longer worth living. He's been in the darkest valley, in the shadow of death, and he says this, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God will never give you the spirit of fear, but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Listen, listen closely. Fear is not from God. Fear is from the enemy. God doesn't give you fear. The enemy does. So whenever you're afraid in that moment, take victory over it. Right in that moment, just in the name of Jesus Christ, I take captive my fear and I command you to leave my mind and my heart and my life forever. See, you can be strong and courageous because you know that God is with you wherever you go. This is God's encouragement to Joshua and it's God's encouragement to you today that whatever you are going through, God's with you today. Whatever struggle you're in the middle of right now, God is with you. Whatever dark place you feel like you need to break out of, God is with you. He's with you right now in your darkest hour. He loves you, he sees where you're at, and he doesn't want you to stay there. This bracelet is to remind you that you get to be a victor. That you get to live in victory all the days of your life. Now I hope you'll wear it all summer. As we go through the book of Joshua, you will, you will look at it, you'll see it every day, you'll, you'll read Joshua, you will hear these messages, and you will learn to break your strongholds and live in victory. As we close, would, would you stand with me? I just have a couple more things I'd like us to do, and I'd like us to respond. God was calling Joshua to live in this new identity, to live in victory, to see himself as a victorious person, not as a defeated one, to see himself as a free person, not as a slave. And he's asking the same for you today. Now, Jesus has already made it possible for you to live this way. It's just your choice. He's already made it possible through the cross for you and I to live in victory because all of our sin, all of our fear, all of our failures, all of our dark moments were all nailed to the cross with Jesus. Technically, spiritually, they're all gone, but we just pick them all up again. We pick them up again and we live in them and we think about them and we mull over them and we let them take resident in our life. And can I just say this morning, some of those things, you just got to kick them out of your home, out of your life. Just get them out. And Jesus can do that this morning. 
right now. Now, there are going to be battles for your new identity. You will need to conquer new territory to live in this new identity. Some of you maybe have never even said yes to Jesus before. Your first step will be, I need to say yes to Jesus as my Savior. I need to believe in him for the first time and say that I want to start living for him. You will also be tempted to let fear rise up and keep focusing your identity on this world instead of on God's word. But I want to encourage you, be strong and courageous because the Lord gives you victory. So let me lastly just say this, live in victory. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you left heaven and died on a cross for us. We recognize that the reason we can live in victory is because of what you've done. Our belief and our faith in you, the moment we said yes to you for the very first time, started us on this journey into a new identity. It started us on this journey of breaking through new territory and understanding that this life we live is somewhat of a battle and you have called us to live in victory, not in fear. Lord, some of us in this room just need to, for the first time, say yes to Jesus and break through. Start living in victory. If that's how you feel this morning, you just say, I need to start right there. I need to start by starting a relationship with Jesus. Would you just raise your hand so God can see it? And some of us in this room, we've let a stronghold be there for too long. We've let thought patterns and actions and habits be in our lives for too long. And today needs to be the day that we start living in victory over those things that we start taking them captive in the name of Jesus and commanding them to leave our mind and our life. With every eye closed in the room, if you feel that way, there's something in my life that just needs to get broken. You know what it is. God knows what it is. And you are saying this morning, I just, I want to live in victory over that. I don't want to live in that stronghold anymore. Would you raise your hand? Lord, I pray for these that have had their hands raised right now. Lord, I pray that you would give them victory in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we take these things captive and we just command them to leave. We give you praise that we have the power of your name and the power of your word to fight this battle. Help us to fight 
this battle with divine strongholds, with divine power, just to remove these things from our life and to continue in it. You can put your hands down. Jesus, we thank you. We praise you. Amen. I've asked a couple people, uh, so prayer team people and life team leaders, if you're here, um, just ask a couple people to stick around and pray if people need it. So if you feel like there's just an extra step you need to take and you just feel like to live in victory, I just want to seal that in a prayer with someone. I need to connect with someone. I need to connect with God one more time. And uh, we'll, we'll have some people up here to pray with you. Instead of going, would you just hang out and pray? We'd love to pray with you. Just a prayer to just really seal this in you. And so um, don't leave. We'd love to pray with you if you'd like to go and just let that become your, this become your day where you, you launch into the victory that Christ has for you and break that stronghold for good once and for all. So we'll be up here to pray with you. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week. And happy Father's Day.